Thank you, praise team, and uh, welcome, and thank you. Good morning. All right. We are glad you're here at Corinth Baptist Church, and uh, glad that uh, it's not too cold for you. Hadn't turned too cold just yet, but it has turned cold enough to cut the heat on, hasn't it? <laughs> we praise the Lord for that. Uh, We've had a little HVAC uh, trouble at our home, but uh, praise the Lord, they did get the heat working. So that's the good thing. Keeps me out of the hot house. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 9 as we continue to look at the early church and the early church fathers, and how they responded to a lot of situations, life situations. You know, life happens. You do know that, don't you? Well, I'm glad you do. It means you're alive. But life situations and circumstances happen, and sometimes we don't have anything to do with them. Sometimes it's not by our hand that they happen or circumstances come about. But in all those circumstances and life situations, God is at work. God has a purpose and a plan for your life and my life, and nothing happens by happenstance. No coincidence. There is no coincidence. God knows it all. God has it all in hand, in mind. He's not surprised by anything, uh, and uh, we need to understand that even in our life, even in our lifetime, today, nothing's going to happen to you that God doesn't know about already. God doesn't have a plan and a purpose for already. And he has already been there. He knows what's going to happen, and he knows how we're going to respond to it. The Bible says we have a high priest that is touched by our infirmities or all of life's situations. And he knows exactly what we're going through, when we're going through it. So if we keep that in mind, we know that we're not alone. We don't experience these things alone. We don't go through these things by ourselves. And this message today speaks to that. And I want us to have hope in these situations, in life situations, in life circumstances, in church life, church circumstances, uh, in everything that we're going through and or will go through. By the way, if the Lord knows the number of hairs on our head, or that's left on our head, then He knows and has control over what's going on in your life and my life. So, we can take that as assurance that God's on the throne, He's in control, and the Bible says His all-seeing eye. 
is roaming all over the world. So he knows where we are. In honor of God's Word, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill. To kill who? To kill Saul. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him, led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but, but they were all afraid of him and didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, move mightily in our midst, in our hearts and our lives, upon us, and with us today, that we might hear your word and respond to how you would have us to respond for your glory and our good, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Follow me now from verse 32 through 43. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. 
Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Our passage presents us with life situations. Life situations as the disciples were going along in their lives. And life situations that happened as they were going along, they did not have a pre-knowledge of or foreknowledge of, but they happened upon it, as it were, and they dealt with it as they came upon it. We look at life situations, sometimes we stress out about it. Sometimes we get upset about it. Sometimes we argue over it. Sometimes... We just don't know what to do. And we sit down with our head in our hands and wonder and worry. Y'all don't do that, do you? You don't worry. Do you? Is that, is worry an unknown word in your vocabulary? <laughs> worry. What, I, I, I once heard that and, and read a, a quote that Worry is interest paid on a note that hasn't come due yet. Something like that anyway. And and if that is true, then boy, we're paying a lot of interest on something that really is not going to pay off in the long run. Here we have certain situations that describe life's circumstances in people's lives. Look at verses 23 through 30 with me. After many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill Saul, but their plot became known to Saul. They watched the gate day and night to kill him, and the, the disciples took Paul, Saul by night, led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and didn't believe that he was a disciple. So one thing happened here, the Jews, uh, and, and I might say religious leaders, we need to understand that not all religious people are truly Christian. Okay? Not all religious people, not all people that come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every other time the doors are open, are truly Christian. They don't understand that. Jesus, in fact, said it this way. Not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we need to understand that. One, these were religious leaders, Jewish religious leaders of the synagogue, who did not like the way. What was the way? It was the believing, those believers who believed in Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior of the world. And they taught and preached Jesus. And the Jewish leaders didn't want it. Why? It said Pilate knew that for envy, the Jewish religious leaders brought Jesus to him to be crucified for envy against the way, the believers in Christ. 
So, <clears throat> if Pilate knew that, don't you think that other leaders really knew that? And the truth be known, Saul knew it. Saul knew they were out to kill him. And so, they, as he went and, and as the, the disciples there uh, helped him escape them, then he went to Jerusalem and he went and tried to join the band of believers there. And they didn't want anything to do with it. They were afraid of it. They were scared of it. Why? Because isn't this the same one who destroyed many? Who led many to be killed, murdered, martyred? So we have this life situation, these life situations that are happening. One, Saul escaped death. And two, as he's gathered with Jerusalem, what happened in that life situation? Well, the church didn't want anything. The disciples in Jerusalem didn't want anything to do with him. They were all afraid of him and didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas, who was Barnabas? Barnabas was a believer as well. Barnabas, in fact, his name means comfort. His name means peace. His name is one that, that you want to share with. Barnabas was a friend, and he joined Saul and took him in to the disciples in Jerusalem and befriended him, told him, hey, you know, he was saved on the road to Damascus. And so, as Saul shared his testimony with these, he was able to go in and out with them. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him too. Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. And they also wanted to kill him. When the brethren found out, verse 30, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So we have two situations of life situation. Two situations in which Saul's life was at stake and people helped him to escape those life or death situations. Then we have, in verses 32 through 35, healings. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that, uh, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. There was a life situation with Aeneas. Aeneas had been down, I want to say, I think it was eight years, as he said. It came to pass, Peter went through, he came, came upon a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. He couldn't get up by himself. He couldn't do anything. He was paralyzed. We know folks like that. We've seen folks like that. 
there are life situations and circumstances in which people are paralyzed. They can't do anything. And, and uh, because of their body is, is paralyzed, unable to do. And yet, Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Get up, make your bed, and go home. So, he arose, he got up, immediately. And all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. I might say as somewhat of an after effect, in each of these life situations, people came to the Lord. When the Lord Jesus is at work, the Lord Jesus does marvelous work. And He does miraculous works. We don't always understand uh, the situation. We don't understand His timing. In this particular case, eight years Aeneas had been down. Eight years. And, and finally, God arrived. God showed up in this particular case, you might say. And after eight years, Peter said, Jesus the Christ heals you. And folks, listen, Jesus heals today. Uh, Jesus can heal today. Jesus doesn't always heal today as we think of Him healing. But God does always heal. Let me tell you something. When death comes, sometimes death is the healing process of the Lord Jesus. So, Jesus is on the throne and He is about bringing about His perfect plan and will for our lives in our life situation. Now, also is another life situation, verses 36 through 43. One that we have not seen in our day and time. I don't believe anybody here has seen anybody resurrected from the dead, have you? I didn't think so. I haven't. And uh, many of you know I, I work <laughs> with the dead. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. Dorcas. Translated Dorcas. Or Gazelle. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. It happened in those days. She became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. They, they prepared her body for burial. That's what, what they washing her and, and what, what they do with the deceased. And since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was, near, was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming. Peter rose. And went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And the, all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments that Dorcas had made while she was with him. But Peter put them all out, knelt down, and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, we don't know if it startled her that she saw Peter. That's why she sat up. We don't know exactly 
What caused her to set up, except the fact Peter said, Dorcas, arise. When he had come, the widow stood by weeping. Peter put him out and prayed, knelt down and prayed, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes and she saw Peter and she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and he lifted her up and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was, they stayed many days in Joppa with Simon and Tanner. So, we have life situations, life circumstances. We have Saul escaping death twice. We have the healing of sickness. We have the resurrection of the dead. What we have, in effect, is we have God concerned about life situations and life circumstances in your life and my life. That's what really is here. God cares about you. God loves you. God cares about me. He loves me. And He cares about all people. So He is about affecting lives and impacting lives in life circumstances and situations today. Wherever you are, whatever you are in, wherever you are going, God cares about you enough to be involved in your life. Many people today don't believe that there's a God who is alive and well on planet earth and who is involved in impacting our lives wherever we are. In today's world, God is still on the throne And he's still about impacting life and saving lives today. But you notice, one thing I notice, there is a verse that stands out between these verses that I've read. Look at verse 31. Then the churches throughout... All Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. The word edified means built up. And walking in the fear, the reverence of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Here we have... Three particular life situation incidences pointed out to us. And we have this verse sandwiched in the middle, which seems not to have an awful lot to do with what Luke is talking about here. Then the churches... This was after Saul's situation and escaping death. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. That doesn't compute until you really stop and look at these life situations. 
And think about what the Lord was doing in each of these life situations. Each of these life situations had a similarity. That is that it involved people. People are who Jesus cares about. If you go back to the Great Commission in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will see that this is somewhat near the area that Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world. In Judea and all of Samaria, Galilee is in the area of Judea and Samaria. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Share your testimony. Share about Jesus Christ. This one verse lets us know about what was on the Lord's heart. The churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, built up. They had peace together in the Lord. And and they were built up. They were encouraged. And walking in the fear of the Lord, they were living in the fear that is reverence of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Notice how much the Holy Spirit had to do with each of these situations. He comforted them. The Holy Spirit was present with them. He's present with us. Isn't He? Isn't He in your life situations present with you? Didn't the Lord say to you as you uh, became a Christian and in His Word, I am with you always even to the end of the age, even to the end of your life, even to the end of this world? I am with you. Jesus hasn't left us comfortless. Jesus hasn't left us at all. They lived in fear. Walking means living or journeying, traveling. Literally, it means living. They lived in the fear or reverence of God. Why did they live in fear or reverence of God? Psalm 34, 9. Fear the Lord, you holy people who belong to Him. Those who fear Him are never in need or never lack. Those who reverence Him never lack. What does it mean, never lack? Never without His presence. Never without His comfort. Never without Him to be your guide, and to help you through those life situations. In every aspect of our life, the Lord Jesus is with us. One reason is Acts chapter 5, verses 11, 1 through 11. But a certain, name, a certain man named Aeneas... Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds. His wife, being aware of it, brought a certain part and, told, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? 
while it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own possession or control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, you've lied to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these words, and the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. It was about three hours later, his wife came in, knowing what had happened. Peter answered her, tell me whether you said sold the land for so much. She said, yes. Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. This word fear carries with it a multiple attitude, a multiple idea. One is reverence, and the other is fear, dread of the judgment of God. In this particular case, Acts 5, 1 through 11, judgment, fear. In this particular case, comfort, reverence of God. When we have fear, reverence for the Lord God, we'll have the fear of judgment of God also in our lives. And when we are living our lives as the Lord wants us to, He will respond in the same way. <clears throat> I tell you, every, every time uh, we tell a lie, we ought to be full of fear. The same way Ananias and Sapphira did. We don't know. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks of it in, uh, in, in Corinth, uh, in Corinthians. Corinth. <laughs> Interesting name, isn't it? Corinth. In, in the, uh, the Corinthian letter that uh, the, the, in, in one of the institutions of the, of the Lord's Supper, as he was instituting, talks about the... The fact of we need to make sure that we're in right relationship with the Lord before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Why? Well, particularly Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphire. That's not a good place to be in lying to the Lord. So we ought to change our colors of our lives to plain white and just become lily white and clean before the Lord God in that era. They had seen and they had heard what Jesus had done and what Jesus was doing here in this particular situation. And so they knew God was at work. The church knew God was working. The church knew, uh, the disciples knew that Jesus was going to do Many things that would multiply his church, his people. They lived in the fear of the Lord. They were helped by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 
we have two verses that are given to us, verses 16 and 17, that tell us about, uh, uh, admonish us about the Holy Spirit of God. John 14, 16 and 17. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I'm not in John, by the way. Excuse me. I turned the wrong way. I was wondering, well, that's not speaking to what I'm preaching to. That's John chapter 14. And you were probably wondering, what in the world? Okay, I, I caught it. Thank you. All right, John 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The early church, and particularly these that we're talking about today, in Jerusalem and, and the Judea, Samaria, and, and all, had the Holy Spirit. They had received the Helper. Jesus had told, you know, unless I go away, the Helper will not come. But I will send another Helper to you. That Helper is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, now folks, listen. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. He is not an it. Uh, He's not transgendered. He is a person. He is a real person. He is a real person that lives in us, and He is with us. So if God, he's, He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the third person of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit lives, literally lives in us if we've trusted Him as Lord and Savior. So He's come into our lives. He literally dwells within us. So He is with us. You and I carry the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go. It doesn't matter whether you're on the ball field. doesn't matter whether you're on the tennis courts. Doesn't matter whether you're out hunting, fishing, doesn't matter whether whether you're at work or whether you're shopping, you carry the Holy Spirit of God. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you carry the Holy Spirit with you. If you visit bars, He's with you. If you visit places you ought not to be visiting, like He's with you. Now, what you have to ask yourself, is that a place where the Lord God would be? And where the Lord God can be praised and honored and revered? Because you see, just like Ananias and Sapphira, they dishonored God, they lied to God, and they lost their life. God God killed them.
Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. This helper is the Spirit of truth. This helper is the Holy Spirit of God. The third person of the triune God. The person, the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for helper is comforter, is paraclete. It means one who comes alongside of us or beside of us to help us. Ecclesiastes expressed it this way. Two people are better than one because together they have a good reward for their hard work. If one falls, the other can help his friend get up. But how tragic it is for the one who is all alone when he falls. There's no one there to help him get up. Again, if two people lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep warm? Though one person may be overpowered by another, two people can resist one opponent. A triple braided rope is not easily broken. Some of you may recall that as part of your wedding ceremony. Two people together. But the cord of three strands Male, female, Holy Spirit. Bride, groom, Holy Spirit of God. A braid of three strands or a triple braided rope is not easily broken. Do you believe actions speak louder than words? then how you live speaks volumes, doesn't it? How you live around those that you are around every day. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. People are looking at your life. And believe you me, people are looking at your life. They're looking at you. They see you. They hear you. Your family sees you. Your family watches you. And they see how you respond to life situations and life circumstances. Your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, your family. Wherever you go, people are watching you. And for many of them, it will determine how they choose to live their lives and whether or not they want to walk in faith as you claim you walk. Many of them, it will determine whether they become believers or not. But look at the latter part of verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. They were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. 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 What does that mean? As a consequence of the life situations 
all around them. As a consequence of these churchgoers seeing life situation lived out in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in their midst. They had peace. They were built up, encouraged, strengthened. And they multiplied. They didn't just add one plus one plus one plus one. They multiplied. Multiplication. They were added to. They were multiplied in numbers. Many turned to the Lord. Verse 35. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. They saw him. They saw what happened in Aeneas' life. And they turned to the Lord. In Dorcas' life, and verse 42, And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. They multiplied. Why? Because they lived out their faith in life's situations and circumstances. Church, Some of you say, we're satisfied where we are. Some of you may say, we're satisfied with the number that we have. The Lord Jesus said, go and as you're going, make disciples. He didn't say, be satisfied with the number that you have. Jesus said, going as you're going, share your testimony. Share your life. Live your life. So that what you say is identified by the way you live. Don't talk one thing and live another thing. It doesn't add up. And Jesus said, I want my house to be full. If Jesus is not satisfied with a house that's not full, why are we? And so, we have a, a time of transition. A time of transition in which you get to make that choice. A time of transition that says, is current church going to be a church that follows the Lord and the leadership of the Lord, or are we gonna we're gonna do our own thing? No church is a church without the Lord Jesus and without the Lord Jesus being followed. And following Him is a prerequisite to church, to being church.
Because it's his church. It's his body. We are his body. We are his church. And so, we have to make that decision. Thus far, we have two key groups that are uh, in progress, the mission team and the heritage team. And we will soon put a third team at work, to work, the leadership team. And, and we'll get that, and, and before long we'll have all five teams. The last team to be put together is the future. The last team to, to be put to work. Based on all the other teams. The heritage, the mission, the leadership, the connection. The future is dependent upon you and what we do. So, I think we need to do business with the Lord God in asking Him, what do you want us to do? Do you want us in life situations to forget about you? Or do you want us to follow you? We already know. We really don't have to answer that. We already know what the answer is. So what I want to ask you today is, one, if you know this Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, right where you are, I want you to look to him, call upon him. I want you to ask him, what would you have me do? as your servant at Corinth Church. Because this is where he's put you. And he's put you here for a reason. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you to pay your sin debt. What are you waiting for? Make him Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed and accepted time. Come to Jesus today. We'll help you come during this time of invitation. If you're here and, and this is where you believe the Lord would have you to serve the Lord, put down roots, put your church membership, then you come today. However God has spoken to your heart, you come. Pray with me. Father, in your name we pray that your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts right now in this time of, of public acknowledgement and invitation. Lord, to come and make our decision public before you, before these people. And Lord, that, that your people would mean business with you today. In Jesus' name, amen.